0: i go we'll walk. They probably won't be here for the gelato. Um, he does need to sleep, which is why he's usually not here.
1: Um,
0: but I'm excited for this. My name is Mike. I realized I didn't introduce myself. My name is Mike. I'm on staff here. And uh, it's a pleasure of mine to share this week, the last week of 2019. We just finished talking about Christmas and all the joys that come with it, all the joys that come with the birth of our Savior Jesus. Um, And so this week we want to kind of go into a little bit of a transition time before we start a new theme in the new year. I feel like God kind of challenged me with something a few weeks ago in my personal devotional time, and I want to share some of that with you tonight. And so it's the title, if you can give it a title, it's kind of more than a cool story. I think it's kind of what, what I see in this story that we're going to read. Um, And we'll see why. But uh, before we begin, let's pray together. Lord, I pray you would bless this time that we hear your word, that you would just speak to us, that your voice would be louder than mine, and that we would leave here tonight feeling challenged and encouraged to, to live out this semester break for you, to live out the new year for you, and to just take a step further into life with you, Jesus. So we celebrate you, and we thank you, and we ask that you to speak to us tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. And so more than a cool story, so I figured maybe I'll start by sharing my own story. It's kind of a cool story. Uh, you might not, you might be wondering why it's a cool story at the beginning, but I promise you it's cool. Uh, so when I grew up, both of my parents smoked a lot, so they were like heavy smokers. And that's the kind of cigarettes they smoked, and because of that, when you smoke these cigarettes, they like give you kind of like coupons that you can like save and then send in, and they send you merchandise. And so as a kid, I had like a lot of Marlboro like merchandise. And I remember my sleeping bag was the cigarette brand. And I'm sure I had other things, maybe a shirt. I think I. cigarettes, which I don't encourage that, obviously, I think we all know it's not good for you, um, but the point is to say my parents smoked a lot, my dad would smoke about two packs a day, my mom like one, and so it was like, oh yeah, it's not a good thing, they started smoking when they were like 14 years old, so they were young, back then, people didn't even know it was bad, bad for you, and so everyone was smoking, and so at the time, uh, you know, they somehow got involved, and for 35 years, that's what they did. They were smokers. You know, they tried to quit several times, but you know, addiction is addiction. It's hard, and so, so they were smoking for many years. And so, when I was a kid, I remember laying in bed at night. I would go to sleep. Maybe I was 12, 13 years old, still young. I would be laying in my bed at night, and I would hear my mom just like in the other room choking, like coughing, all this fluid, you know what smoking does to you makes you kind of like sick. So you have to breathe with an inhaler, like a little tool to help her breathe. And man, and I was just lay in bed just listening to that every night. And at that same time, it's about the same time in America, we have this thing called the DARE program. It teaches you about drugs. And um I started learning about lung disease, and lung cancer, and emphysema, and all these scary things. And I was convinced my mom had lung disease, and I would lay in bed at night trying to fall asleep, scared, from my mom and dad as I heard her choking you know, by herself in the kitchen at night. And I would pray to God, you know, my family was Christians, we were believers. My faith was not strong, it was very immature. But I would pray every night for my parents to quit smoking, because I was scared. I was scared for them, I, uh, I thought that it lung cancer, lung disease, something bad. And so I would pray every night for them. And so many years later, probably the beginning of high school, um, they got Somehow they got information about this class or this, this place you get to go, and they teach you how to, you know, techniques for quitting smoking. And so, you know, they tried to quit before, but this time, for whatever reason, they decided to try again. And they went to this class, and amazingly, they came back, and from that day forward, they never smoked again. I don't know... I don't really know what the class did. I don't really credit the class for helping them quit smoking, but I praise God that he finally answered those prayers. For years, I've been praying for them to quit smoking, and finally they did, and uh, it remains one of the biggest answered prayers of my life, but honestly, if I were to say, it didn't really change my life at all. Like, it was amazing, I was thankful, but my life did not change. It's not like I started really following Jesus after that, my life didn't really change that much. And I think many of us in this room maybe have had an encounter with God in the past. Maybe God's done something, answered a prayer. Maybe you're thankful, you praise Him, but it didn't really change your life. And I want to read a story tonight that I think is similar to that, or it could have been, It could have been just a cool story, it could have been just, you know, a blessing, it could have just been an encounter with Jesus, but it wasn't, it was more than that. And we're going to look at why, why did that happen, why was it more than just a cool story? So we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, we're going to be reading in different parts, so not at all at one time I'll read different parts, but we'll start with verse 1 through 3. So read here, verse 1, Luke chapter 5, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. This is before Jesus had any disciples, so this is early in his ministry. He was preaching, but a crowd was already forming around him, he was already becoming well known. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. And stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who most of us will probably know more as Peter, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Kind of interesting, Jesus just gets in his boat and then like tells him to take me out to the water. Just kind of a side point. I think it seems like he's not really asking a question, he's saying, like, he's more of a command. I think maybe sometimes Jesus doesn't really ask questions, he gives commands. Um, and we see that Peter actually, actually follows through and does it. And so this Peter, and we'll see later, it's not just Peter, but James and John as well, um, two of Jesus' other future disciples, not yet. But Peter, James, and John, they got into the boat with Jesus before they really knew who Jesus was. Like, they knew he was a teacher. He was teaching great things, obviously, because there's a crowd surrounding him. But they didn't really know who Jesus was. And I think maybe some of us here are like that too. Where you don't really know who Jesus is, but you want to know more. And I think English worship is a great place for that. And you belong here. to a place where you can discover more who Jesus is. And I would like to say, welcome into the boat with Jesus. Being in the boat with Jesus doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. It just means that you're taking a step towards seeing who he is. They were not followers of him. They got into the boat with him. And so I think in the boat two things happen. The first one is, is quite obvious. It's the whole purpose of getting into the boat. We see in the second half of verse 3, it says, So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Jesus taught from the boat. When Jesus got into Peter's boat, Peter was not a follower of Jesus. But he got a front row seat. The teachings of Jesus. Like he was like the VIP. Everyone else is on the on the land, you know, a little bit further away. Peter's right there listening to Jesus and his teachings. When you're in the boat with Jesus, he will teach you things. He will challenge you. And he will you will learn things when you're in the boat with Jesus. Again, that doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean just your religion. We're not talking about religion here. We're talking about Jesus and the challenge that he puts on our life to to discover who he is. The next thing that happens in the boat we see in verse 4 through 7 says that when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, or said to Peter, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master," Simon replied, "We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again." So they'd worked all night, didn't catch a single fish. But Jesus said, "Put down your nets again." I think their response remember that, that Peter's response is, "If you say so, I will." Again, Jesus is not asking, he's commanding, and Peter obeys. This time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now I know, I think the last time I actually spoke here, I talked about fishing. And that's just like, I can imagine fishing so much, that your boat is sinking, that you've caught so much fish that you're actually in danger of sinking, and maybe even dying, like this blessing is turning into like a disaster. (laughs) Like now you're fearing for your life a little bit, but also excited, it's like so eternally, you're excited, but also a little scared, like we're sinking. Um, But Jesus brought in a miracle. Jesus brought in a miracle for them. And I think many of us in this room, have seen Jesus perform miracles. We've seen Jesus answer prayers. Maybe he has healed you. Maybe he's given you peace or joy. Maybe you've seen him in a vision or a dream. Or maybe you come here needing a miracle tonight. But when you're in the boat with Jesus, you will see him perform miracles in your life and around your life. It's part of walking with Jesus, that you will be challenged by his teachings, and you will be amazed by his power. But even that is a cool story, but I don't think that is necessarily life-changing. It's a wonderful encounter with Jesus, but we see other people in the Bible that have similar situations, and it doesn't change their life. We don't even know necessarily their names, we just know them as groups of people. The real life change happens outside of the book. The real life change happens once you return to the land. Once Jesus finishes his teaching, once once the miracle has been performed, now what is going to happen? How do we respond to what Jesus has done? Well, let's look at how the disciples responded. Peter and the others. In verse 8, it says when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me, I am such a sinful man. One, that is not what I expected to read when I read this first time, like it's amazing and then yet he's telling Jesus to leave him. We've seen this in other parts of Scripture as well, people are so amazed by Jesus that they want him gone. Because they're not worthy to be by him, they, they feel unworthy of him. And so he was all struck by the number of fish. Peter was amazed by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And I think we see Jesus putting a call on their life. It's not a question. He's you like, know, hey, do you want to do something? Do you want. No, he's saying, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. You'll be fishers of men. And so, how do the disciples respond to all this? You know, they had just heard a great teaching, no doubt, I'm sure it was. I don't there's no details about what Jesus taught about on that day. But surely it was amazing, and it was from Jesus Himself. But Jesus is more than a teacher. And they had seen an amazing miracle, more fish they'd ever seen caught at one time before. They were amazed and even fearful because of it. But Jesus is more than a miracle worker. If we settle for just those two things, I don't really think, yeah, Jesus is amazing, but it's not necessarily life-changing. It's just a cool story. That's not why Luke wrote about this story. That's not why it's in the Bible. And that's not why we're reading it today. Why we're reading it today is because of what happened in verse 11. It says, As soon as they landed... As soon as Peter, James, and John, and other and Jesus had landed and got back to the shore, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. You see, they left everything behind to follow Jesus. They left everything behind to answer that call that Jesus just put on their life, to become fissures of people. That they're made for more than just being fishers of, of fish, fishermen, but to fish for people. They didn't want just that encounter with Jesus. They didn't want just, you know, a cool story. They wanted Jesus. So when they got back to the land, when the teaching was over, when the miracle was finished, when they got back to the land, they left it all. They left all those fish that Jesus had just provided for them to follow Jesus. And I think that's why, that's why Luke writes about it. Jesus performs many miracles, but I think why this story is included is not because of the miracle, but because of the, the decision to follow Jesus. I think maybe we're all in the boat with Jesus in some way or another, you know? Many of us maybe have gone to church our entire lives, you could say we've been in the boat our entire lives. Some of us, this could be the first time you just got into the boat, you're just trying to discover who Jesus is. Maybe you've seen miracles or answered prayers, you've heard some amazing teaching that has been encouraging, that's been challenging. boat is now headed for land, how will you respond when it reaches the shore? What are you going to do? I think after the encounter with Jesus, we have two options. I think one is we can settle for a cool story, and that's kind of what I did as a child when God answered my prayer. It was a cool story of how God came through, how he was faithful, how he delivered my parents from 35 years of addiction. But it didn't change my life. It was a cool story in my life. Not because of anything God did or didn't do, it's because of my response to what he did. You know, we could go away from that, the boat saying, wow, that was amazing teaching, I was really encouraged, that was so challenging, that was really good, you know. Thank you for the fish. You know, that's gonna bring in my family so much money. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we could walk away from church saying, that was amazing, that was a great sermon, that worship was awesome. Wow, thank you, God, for the way you spoke to me and how close you were to me during that service. We can walk away from these experiences and just say, see you next week, or see you, see you later, see you next time, maybe next retreat, maybe the next church service, maybe quarter or something. We can walk away thankful, but not really changed. But I think the problem is that encounters with Jesus, if that's all it is, will not change your life. An encounter with Jesus at church will not change your life. Even an answered prayer will not really change your life. People have been healed and have their lives not changed. Even another story, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 afterwards, it seems like the people, they weren't really changed by that miracle, they just wanted more food. And so we have many opportunities where God does something amazing. But it doesn't necessarily change us, not because of Him, but because of our response. The, the change comes because of how we respond to Him. You know, when I was young, I encountered God, but it didn't change me. And I'm sure we all have moments like that where we've encountered God at church, and it didn't really change us, or you've encountered God in your posts, we weren't really changed. We go back to our normal lives sometimes, and we forget about it say, passive encounters with Jesus will not change your life. But actively following Him will. That's where the change comes from, and that's what we see the disciples did. It wasn't necessarily the miracle that changed their lives. It wasn't necessarily the teaching that changed their lives. It was their response to it. They weren't really sure who Jesus was. They didn't really know everything about Him, And I think we know more about Jesus now than they did, but they had seen enough and they had heard enough to know that he was a great man and he was worth following. It was worth finding out who this guy is. They deemed it it was worth following, it was worth leaving everything behind to figure out who this guy is, that we want to be with him, he's called us to follow and he will go, we will go. And so they left everything. They took the risk, and they step, made a step of faith. And little did they know that years later, they would actually their, their teacher, the guy they followed, would die and rise from the dead. And they would be among the first to witness the resurrected Savior. They didn't know that when they started following Him. But because they did, God used them to change the world. God is offering more than just an encounter with him. God offers us more than just a cool story. He offers us an eternity. An eternity with Jesus. And that should should excite us. But again, it's also in a way, it's not even really a question. It's follow me. It's a command that Jesus is saying, come with me. And I will show you how to live. I will show you real life. I will show you the way. And so I ask again that the boat is nearing land. What are you going to do when it gets there? And so that is different. means something different for all of us. Well, what are you going to do? Will you stay with the boat? Kind of stay with your life? Continue fishing? You know, maybe just leave and you know say goodbye to Jesus. Say thank you for the blessing, or you leave everything to follow Him. You know, Peter, James, and John had stayed with their boats. They would have an awesome story to tell. You know, greater than any story that I have to tell, and that's that's an amazing encounter with Jesus that they had. But if they would have stayed with their boats, that's all they would have had is one amazing story that happened 20 years ago, and now we're just fishing like we always have. But they didn't stay with their votes. They chose to obey. They chose to follow Jesus. They chose to leave it all behind. Because they did, God, it's like they traded one awesome story for a lifetime of awesome stories. Like, they got so many more things that they would talk about. They probably forgot about that one. Like, there's been so many cool things they saw over the next couple years that God filled their lives with awesome stories. God used them to change the world. And God wants to use you too. God wants to use all of us in this room tonight, as Lauren spoke about, that God believes in you, that you are God's plan for the world God wants to use you. And what God is calling us all to be fishers of people. So the boat is nearing shore, and what will you do? You know, we're all the different places in our spiritual journey. You know, some of us, that might mean something completely different than the other. Like, God, is God calling you to go? What is God calling you to do? But Jesus is calling us all to obey. We're in different places in our lives, but Jesus is not asking questions. He's gentle, He loves us. But He is not asking if we will come with Him. He's telling us, Come with Him. To come with Him. He tells us, Take me out onto the water. He tells us, Put down the nets. He tells us, Follow me. How will you respond? I think this is a really unique time for most of our lives, and many of us, I don't know if anyone here is really on semester break, if all those people left, and we're just left with the working people, the young working professionals that were left behind. (laughs) But it's still a unique time, whether you're on break or not, whether you're working I think this time in your life, as being young, you know, student or just shortly after graduating, it's a unique time in your life. I know it was for me when I first went to university. It's where I first met people that were serious about following Jesus, and that it was not a belief for them; it was an action for them, and that began with the way they started their day by spending time with God, that reading the Bible to them was not, a, it was not just like a Christian religious duty. It was their life. And that is why I gained such respect for them. You know, I wanted to be like them. And so, over the first, after first semester, over semester break, I realized I had an opportunity that is unique. That is, I had unlimited time and nothing to do. Maybe not everyone in the room is like that. Maybe those years are over. But I think we still all have freedom. Many of us in this room still have much more freedom than maybe we will have in the future. And during that semester break is when I decided that I was going to stop. Stop with the excuses. You know, I, I tried to read the Bible before, but I never really... Kept up with it was never consistent with really following after Jesus in my life. One of the reasons was I hate reading, and so that was an excuse. I hated to read, so like, how can I read the Bible? Now I don't. Now I love reading, so things have changed. You know, another one was that I didn't know how to pray. So you know, I can't pray. You know, I don't know how. Another one, which you know, Thursday night prayer. It's a great. If that's an excuse that you have. Go to Thursday night prayer and learn how to pray. Um, another one that I had, you know, I don't have time. Well, semester break completely broke that excuse because I was going back home and I had nothing but time. And so maybe like this time, maybe some of your close friends are not here and that your your schedule is a little more open. This is a unique time in your life. As we go into the new year, And I always just want to challenge you to to challenge yourself, to take a step of obedience towards God, whatever that means in your life. If that means to spend more time reading the Bible than you ever have before, challenge yourself. If it means maybe you need to pray more than you ever have before, challenge yourself now. Maybe there's somebody that you need to reach out to that you've been afraid of reaching out to, or maybe you just... Maybe the time excuse, I don't have time. Maybe now's the time. Challenge yourself. That semester break and, and kind of this beginning of the new year is not just a time to relax, but it's a time to grow. And I think if we really utilize this time, it could change your life. That semester break changed my life because that was where I began seeking after God. That semester, I was baptized, and then that semester break, I began reading the Word and seeking after God myself, and it started this discipline, this habit in my life that has that never been broken. It took 30 days of doing more than I thought I could, but after those 30 days, it was there, it was part of who I was, that Jesus had really entered into me. And it was more than just an encounter, it was more than just an experience, that it was was an opportunity to take that step towards Jesus. And so I want to ask the the worship team come up now as we close. But I want to ask you all, what is God challenging you to do? What step is he challenging you to take? Or maybe it's the opposite. What what is he challenging you to stop doing? Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to stop doing. They might not even be bad, but maybe they're distracting. They're keeping you away from something better. What is God challenging you to do? What is God challenging you to stop doing? Who is God challenging you to reach out to? And I think one big thing for me, and maybe for you too, is what excuses do you need to stop believing? What excuses do you need to just, like, throw away, to to get rid of them? That they're not real. They're, They're limits that we put on ourselves, that God, we see, is limitless. Any excuses, any limits, any reasons for why we cannot, we've made them up. We've created them. So what excuses do you need to die to? Do you need to get rid of? Do you need to stop listening to so that you can follow, you know, be obedient and respond to what Jesus is calling you to do? And so I want to take as the worship team just play some music before we sing any words, just to take a moment to think about that. As we go into the new year, And if you're on semester break, what does God want you to this next month go home tonight, what is the first step you can take now towards doing that thing? Becoming that person? If we don't have a first step, it's likely we will just go home and forget about it. What is the first step you can take to respond to what God is speaking?
1: To spend another moment to think about that.
0: I will. If you say so, I will. If you say to give, I will give. If you say to go, I will go. If you say to pray for that person, I will pray for them. If you say to to step up and to, to take on that role, calling us to come. But what happened when we started responding if you say so, I will. Start ignoring those excuses. Start ignoring those fears and those doubts that when we walk with Jesus, He will give us the faith. He will give us the strength. He will give us the power that years later, Responding, if you say so, I will. And even looking for opportunities, to not be waiting, but to be looking for them. Jesus didn't call Peter to get on the water. Peter asked him if he could come. What would happen when we start asking Jesus, can I do this? Can I do that? And Jesus said, yes. Every time, Jesus will say, yes, if it's to build up his kingdom. Let us pray. Lord, I pray you would make us into people that obey. Lord, we know that, and we praise you for every miracle. We praise you for everything you teach us. Don't want to to make it little in our lives, Lord. But I know that if it doesn't change our lives, it's not because you did anything wrong. It's because I know in my life I haven't responded the way I should. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond. It's not just a passing moment, that it wouldn't just be a cool story, but we would allow you to really change our lives, That we would surrender it all to you, allow you to consume us. Tonight we say, if you say so,
1: I will. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen.